Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm very thankful today, and I'm grateful for you to be patient with me as we're finishing up this great second part to a conversation with Bob Cunningham on personal evangelism. Now, if you listened last week, then you're going to know exactly where we're at, jumping back into it. If you haven't yet, pause this episode, go back and listen to part one. That way, this one will make a lot more sense. But I hope that you felt encouraged. I certainly have, and I think that anyone who listens, they're going to benefit from Bob's experience and wisdom and also from the scriptures on how we can be effective in sharing the gospel with others on a personal level. Now we're going to jump straight back into this conversation. It's just a series of questions that I have and answers and conversation that Bob and I share together. So let's begin. And uh, look at Titus 2 verse 10. It says, but not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. You know, that idea of adorning is, is the flavor the doctrine's the pre- the preservation agent, but the way that we adorn it, I like this. You know, we talk about adorning apparel, yeah. modest apparel, and the way that we present ourselves. But in our message, the way we adorn the, the gospel uh, has to be one where it is good news. You know, the gospel Amen. is good news. Amen. And so people got to know it's good news. Yes, they got to know, and we got to. Uh, I think another thing, another aspect to that is. Um, you know, uh, we have to show the world. Uh, people need to see our love for that gospel, the authenticity. Um, I go back to that a lot when I talk to people because people are really good these days at really pretending and acting. Yes, they are. And you think they may be genuine, and sometimes you you're kind of fooled by that. But but, it, but when a person is truly living a life that they really want to adorn the uh, gospel with their, that purity that, 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 that God has given them, you can see that. Yeah. You can see that. And there's power in that. It is. There's power in that. Jonathan, I'm not just saying this because you're sitting there interviewing me, but, but you know, uh, Jonathan, you, you have cultivated uh, in your life uh, a humility uh, that I know you've worked on probably and still working on. But I can tell that you... You, you are serious about your commitment to God. And I can see that. And Pete, I should be able to see it. And I should be able to say it to you uh-huh. because I think we as Christians sometimes, we're not, we're not open and transparent with each other. Right. We wait until a funeral and then we try to lift the person up to glory. I'm a firm believer in speaking what I feel about a person to that person. I don't, I'm not going to wait until somebody says, well, they're sick. Have you went to see Brother Jonathan? No, I'm on the, I want Jonathan to know what I feel about him. When we're sitting one-on-one, I'm at your house. That you can't say, well, you know, Brother Bobby said that. No, Brother Bobby told me that. Yeah. You know, and it may not even be something that you share. But, but, and I say that because to me that goes back to the commitment. Sure. And your passion for souls. I can see that. Well, well thank you, Brother. That's very kind. And I am still working on it. I, I never feel like I got it, so I'm still working on it. And can't seem to find that satisfaction. You know who you sound like? Who? Apostle Paul, <laughs> Philippians three. He says, "Here's what he said," and I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh, mention it, but see, I think people miss this. I think it's Philippians three. Uh-huh. 
when he says, he said, look, I don't, I don't count myself to have attained. Right. I don't, not that I've already obtained it. Not that I've already obtained yeah, it. I press on. This one thing I do, uh, forgetting those things. Uh-huh. And then later on in that passage, he says, just be true to what you have attained. Mm-hmm. And I use that for people who think they don't know a lot of Bible. They don't know all they, I can't study with anybody, Brother Bobby, because I don't know a lot of Bible like you do. Here's my response to that. Do you, do you know the plan of salvation? Well, yeah. And that verse is where I go to. I say, well, Paul said, whatever you've attained, be true to that. Yeah. And God can take that uh-huh. plan of salvation. If that's all you know, uh-huh. Jonathan, if that's all I know, I'm just a guy who don't know much about the Bible, but the Bible knows all this Bible. No, well, Paul said, hey, I entertain what I'm capable of either, but it's one thing I do. I don't, I don't beat myself up about what I don't know. Right. That's how I kind of spin that. He said, I'm not looking behind me. Uh-huh. Look, I'm pressing on, but whatever level I've attained, hey, you be true to that. And when you're true to that level, you have no idea what the Lord can do. That's I mean, exactly where I was going. exponential that's growth. It, exactly, exactly, <laughs> Jonathan. We're on the same page. Cause that, that's what I'm trying to get them to see. Yeah. That, you know, you don't, you don't have to yeah. know Greek and Hebrew and, and be able to translate something, you know. But you know that plan of salvation? I guarantee yeah. the Lord can yeah. use it. Well, I'll tell you this for our stay-at-home moms who are listening right now. I love Paul's words to Timothy, where he talks about the faith that he knows is in him, but it's also been in him since his childhood. First it was in his grandmother, and then it was in his mother, and now it's in him. And, you know, grandmother uh, Lois, or is it Eunice? Yeah, Eunice and Bernice, yeah. Uh, Grandmother may have never known what she did. That's right. But she was true to what she had attained. And um, as a result, her daughter taught her grandson, and then he became a preacher and went off and shared the gospel with hundreds if not thousands of people and so if she just by doing what she knew to do so stay at home moms that's your motivation uh, you might have a bunch of kids and and you're not able to get out of the house like you wish you could but train those kids you, you never know what they're going to be capable of in, in the next 10 15 20 years that's a lesson that i teach at every meeting it's called the few the few mm-hmm. and i deal with that topic right there you know people thinking that hey you know i i don't know much i can't do much you know i'm not very talented Mm -hmm. you know and uh, i think that's one of the great tragedies of of the church we have a lot of people who feel that they need to be evangelists and they need to be so knowledgeable before they could even have a conversation Mm -hmm. with anybody about Mm -hmm. the gospel And, and so i think that we as preachers are probably responsible for some of that because we haven't really encouraged them in the way that they feel comfortable sure. just sharing what they know. Yeah. Because we come off as being so knowledgeable, but then we don't make an attempt to, to kind of minimize that right. and say, well, yeah, well, yes, I study. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit more than you. Maybe not. I mean, I study. <laughs> but um, that's not to diminish your contribution. Sure. And I don't think we've done a good job of that. Well, it's really easy, especially men who are, are, are talented speakers, to think, wow, look at all the Bible knowledge they have. But you got to forget they've got notes. <laughs> I have, people think I have you know, the Bible memorized. And I have to remind them, I have notes right in front of me that I'm able to look at and look up at you, and I've practiced. What they don't realize is, and this I'm telling my big secret to people who are listening, and, and they come and hear me preach, 
but I might get up at six o'clock on a Sunday morning and actually preach that sermon to the wall at home so that, that just the muscle memory of saying those words is fresh on my mind before I go to church that day. And uh, yeah, so it, it's really easy to assume that a preacher knows everything, but you know, we're just as human as anybody else. Now, Amen to that. we've got uh, a few more bullet points I want to get to. Sure. And maybe somebody's out there and maybe they've just been motivated because they know what they've attained. They're ready to, to jump out there and talk to someone. Let's, let's talk about a couple of scenarios. Um, first, what's your preferred Bible study to have with someone for the first time? Say that, that now you're excited and you've you got a coworker and so you say, hey, Great question. Uh, let's get to work 30 minutes early. And let's have a Bible study together. And they go, okay, well, what would you do first? Okay, now, uh, uh, let me frame this. Uh, uh, you're saying, this is my first study with them. Right. First study. Now, this may shock some of you listeners out there. <laughs> uh, it may shock you. My first study with people, uh, it's not a Bible study. Really? I let them talk about themselves. Okay. I let them talk about their family. I ask about their their background, sure. But my first study with a person, the Bible may come up, you know, because but it's not a Bible study. Sure, it's a person study on them. Mm-hmm. I'm studying them. Sure, I'm letting them talk about their family, their their goals, their aspirations. They may talk about their job for five minutes. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm getting to know them as a person because when I do start the Bible study on the next time, because because before I leave on the first Bible study, I say. Okay, now, wow, you know, I really learned a lot. Um, we're going to start, I, I think we can start with uh, probably the Old Testament. Let's, let's start there next time. But my first Bible study is not about the Bible. It's about that person. Because everybody has a story, Jonathan, and people like to tell their story. Mm-hmm. They like to tell their story. It may, and when you show interest in that person's story, now they know you're the preacher, Jonathan, they know that I'm there for, they know I'm there for a Bible study. But when I don't just jump right into it and I show interest in them, that's my first Bible study. That's a great answer. Spending time getting to know them, Mm -hmm. getting to know that they have a family, that they have dreams, that they've got hobbies and plans that you can then bring up and talk about. I wanted to share a, a Proverbs chapter 20, verse five says the plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, mm-hmm. but a man of understanding draws it out. So you have that, that image wow. of somebody at the well, and that bucket is your, in that first Bible study, you're asking questions. Because you might want to start with John 3.16, God loves you and he wants you to be saved. And depending on who this person is, they might be thinking, who's John and why does he have <laughs> exactly. a 3 or a 16? And, exactly. And... Uh, Exactly. Exactly. You go in headstrong, you might not know where you're at. Exactly. There's a reason James 1 19 says, Be slow to speak and quick to hear. And uh, I think that's a great first. Oh, absolutely. That's, but that's my strategy. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't always use that strategy. Sure. It's one that over time, I realized that I made more progress with the person and they listened to me Uh more because I listened to them. But yeah, that's that's what I do. I meet the kids. I find out their kids' names and yeah. where they go to school uh-huh. and and what they're involved in that school. And people love to talk about their kids, their job, and their hobbies. They love to talk about that. 
And I asked myself this question. I said, before I start doing this, I said, now, can I invest an hour and a half, two hours, in learning about that person before I do a Bible study? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's an investment sure. in that relationship. This is the flavor to the salt so that you can preserve their heart. Exactly. The gospel. I like exactly. that. I like it. Exactly. Okay, what if you, uh, let's do another scenario real quick. Okay. What if it's kind of just a stranger, you're not going to see him again, but maybe you're sitting together getting your oil changed, or maybe, you know, you're, I call it the elevator. Okay, elevator you know, pitch. But what's your elevator pitch? Okay, here's my elevator pitch. Uh, if I'm sitting at uh, time at lube and a guy comes <laughs> up and he sees me reading my Bible or something, or or he's just sitting there looking at the paper, and then we strike up a conversation about football or whatever, you know. And and um, you know what typically happens sometimes? I don't know how people can see this. They say, are you a preacher? Have you ever gotten that? People, people, they'll, they'll say, I leave preacher? my preacher badge at home. I, I do too. <laughs> but um, uh, my typical quote, I never heard it called that, but elevator pitch is, um, now what are some of your spiritual goals that you have? Do you have any spiritual goals? Oh, okay. And they, they said, well, you know, see that usually, that's not an intimidating question. Right. And I can sense whether or not the person is spiritually minded sometimes by what they say. Huh. They may say, oh man, the Lord's been good to me. Man, yeah. that's an open door for me. Uh-huh. Open door. I said, well, what are your spiritual goals? And, and they, they may say, well, you know, I'm trying to, me and my wife are, we're trying to do some things. And I said, well, how can I help you? How can I help you reach those? I don't, you know, just something very general. Um, uh, tell me about your life. Tell me about your life. You know, if I got a few minutes to sit there and talk to them. Yeah. You look like a like you're involved in something there. You know, I, I just kind of use the whatever I see there as kind of a lead in, but yeah. that's my kind of elevator. Do you ever force it? Do you ever go hello? Uh, like if they haven't started talking to you yet, you know, hey, uh, tell me about your spiritual goals. You started? No, uh, I have to confess, I used to do that uh-huh. when I first obeyed the gospel. I felt compelled to to do that, and that's another whole discussion. But I don't I don't feel that. A compulsion anymore you know Galatians 6 talks about as you therefore have opportunity uh-huh. okay. not as you therefore make an opportunity well in some scenarios you can make an opportunity but, but I think generally speaking we, we, we're supposed to be spiritually tuned in to the opportunity right when it presents yourself I like that yeah we're spiritually tuned in we're not disconnected from the moment with people around no us. it's gonna be hard to do if you're on your phone all the time and uh, maybe that's a, a mild rebuke for some of our listeners. You've got to get your head out of the phone whenever yes. you go places. Yes. We kind of already answered some of these questions. Okay. What am I? What if I'm not good at talking to people? You want to talk about that one? We, we already mentioned, uh, or when we talked about our wives being hospitable, there are other options, but you want to answer that one directly? Uh, what, 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 when you're not good at talking to people. Yeah, what if I'm, what if I'm not good at talking to people? What if I just well, feel like um, I'm talking too I, much or too little? Well, I would, I would expand on that a little bit by saying if you're not good at talking to people, I have an example that I can share on that. Um, we have a sister, Sister Sarah, and we were talking about, we uh, were studying Romans verse by verse, and we were in Romans chapter 5, no 6. And so we were sharing about um, how you approach people. And we were talking about sharing the gospel. Some people are uncomfortable doing that. And so Sarah said, um, she has a neighbor. This neighbor was uh, one day she was getting the groceries out of the car, and Sarah she had she she had uh, 
I think she had a walker. Uh -huh. And so Sarah just went up to the car and just helped her with her groceries in. And then uh, over a period of days, a couple of weeks, she saw the neighbor again mm -hmm. out in the yard. They started talking. Sister Sarah was a very engaging, kind person. And didn't talk about any Bible at all, just being courteous and kind. Over a period of a few couple of months or so, the conversation, because Sarah was so nice to her, the lady started kind of calling Sarah, just talking on the phone. Of course, Sarah kind of led into the Bible, mm -hmm. found out she was Catholic, and Sarah shared some scriptures with her. And next thing you know, uh, the lady said that, you know, I never learned it in the Catholic Church. They never taught me anything. Mm. And But it started from just being kind. Right. A kind act. Uh -huh. So my point is, you don't have to know a lot of Bible. Sometimes right. your life, I mean, what you do as a person can be an open opportunity mm -hmm. to start a discussion. Mm -hmm. like that discussion didn't start right off the bat, but it started a few months later. Sure. But it goes back to what I said earlier, you gotta be committed. Yep. Sarah has a passion for souls. She's always angling yeah. for some way to, <laughs> you know, to get something in. Right. And she was consistent. So um, you don't have to know a lot, you know, to really, make an impact on somebody's life the way you can talk to them about the gospel. There's a big difference between being passionate about somebody's soul and wanting to win an argument. Amen. Don't you think? Amen. Vast difference. Vast difference. And for people wanting to get involved in personal work, I think that's the heart of the matter is if we're to be salt and light, it doesn't mean that we approve of false doctrine or that we agree with people who are wrong. But, I think there's a mindset shift where you have to be willing to listen yes. and live yes. as much as teach and prove from the scriptures. I, I will take any chance I get to prove from the scriptures. But I think, uh, say Sarah, what was the Sarah, name? Sarah, yeah. Sarah's Sarah. example of, of just living. Yes. She was salt. Exactly. She was salt. Yes, that exactly. Good. Um, well, what if somebody says, uh, you know what, there's just no one left to talk to. <laughs> Uh, or if somebody says, you know, America is, we're a gleaning harvest. We're not a field that's ripened harvest. <laughs> you, you know, it's, uh, I've heard that before. Yeah. And uh, I think it's only We have said, together. Yeah. Liz, look, I think statements like that are only said by people with their spiritual eyes closed. Mm. Their spiritual eyes are closed. Yeah. And they're looking for reasons not to do, whereas... We should be looking for reasons to do. Right, right. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Second Timothy one, uh, seven. I think it talks about, you know, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, you know, a disciplined mind. One translation. And I think that, I think a person that says that, that can't see the harvest. I don't think they've really embraced that passage. God has given us, you know, I mean, the power to to discern. Sure. Faith is, you know, faith is substantive. It's it's uh, it's evidence. And I think where we kind of miss the faith thing in the harvest uh, application is that, see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that's substance in things that you can't see. And if you can't see that the harvest is truly plenteous, that means that, your faith probably needs a little tweaking. Yep. 
least a little tweaking yeah. because you got those two words that's substance and evidence. So you should be able to see that. But if you can't see it, that means that your spiritual eyes have been blinded. I pray for um, God's mercy that we would not be so arrogant as to think we've already talked to everyone. <laughs> you know, how many millions of people there are in our country and even just in my own personal life. I mean, I got plenty of neighbors left yeah. that I need to yeah. share the gospel with on my street. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough mindset to be in. It's hopeless. I like how you brought out how faith is a substance. It is hope, and not of the hopelessness of you know we've already done everything. Uh, you know, if we've knocked on all the doors in our town, then that means we've done everything. There's so many different options these days. Somebody who wants to be a personal worker. This will be our last question. Um, somebody who wants to be a personal worker, they're excited to start Bible studies. You know, there are certain tricks that you, you, you pick up as you go along the way, but there's also some assumptions that people can make in Bible studies. I think you may have already handled it actually earlier when you talked about your first Bible study should be about them and listening and their goals, etc. But maybe, have you thought about what are some assumptions that Christians often make? Oh, um, number one, I can tell you number one. The number one assumption, I think, that Christians make when they start a Bible study, I got to baptize this person in <laughs> two uh, hours or less. If not, I'm a failure. Yes. Uh, I've studied with them three weeks. They haven't got baptized yes. yet. I think they have this pressure on them. I feel that pressure. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. But see, you have to you have to divorce yourself from that because for one reason is that the word we're supposed to plant the seed. Uh -huh. We we're seed planters. Uh -huh. I think if you you take the you know position that well, you know, I'm planting a seed, um, it may germinate next year, next I may not even be around the seed, mm -hmm. but we have to trust the process. Yeah. But our job is to plant the seed. Yeah. Our job is not to see it come to fruition. We may or may not. There are a lot of people that Paul planted seeds that he never saw. Yeah. He never saw. Mm -hmm. But he made sure that before he left these places, he knew the seed was planted. And he knew by faith that, you know, um, Something's going to happen there. Don't know what. Right. Some of these places he'd never even been. Uh -huh. Colossae, Rome. Uh -huh. He hadn't been to these places. But some seeds that he had planted were at these places. Right. right. So that's what I think one of the biggest assumptions is people are under pressure. To, I, I don't put any pressure on people to be baptized. I let the Lord do that. Here's one illustration. I know I'm talking a lot. I just mean you. No, I, I love it. So you're hitting it. things that I talk <laughs> that you can't talk to a lot of people about. Right. The first example that Jesus gave his disciples when he first went out was he told them the story about the sword, Luke 8. Uh -huh. Now, the way I look at that is Jesus was telling them not to be disappointed because one out of four, you're going to have a 75% loss rate. One out of four is going to, you know, those seeds are going to germinate. Right. So that means for every four people that you talk to, only one is going to really germinate. Now, if you multiply that, like I said, for every 40 people, 10. Every, You know, so what he was telling them is that, and they didn't know anything about how 
fast. People don't obey the gospel. But he said one out of four, one out of four, good ground. All right. But that one would bring forth what? Some 30, some 60, some of Right. So don't get discouraged when those four out of the, three out of the four don't. Mm-hmm. Because that one, and I have a real life example of that, an older black lady that we baptized. She, she's passed away now, but we, we went around and knocked on doors at this apartment complex. And she had, long story short, she was 70-something years old when we baptized her. Uh-huh. And that one seed resulted in, I counted one day, about 14 people. Wow. Her son, her nieces, nephews. So, yes, it's discouraging when people, you know, they feel this, I got to baptize this. No, Jesus told his disciples one out of four. So you need to get that in your head. Mm-hmm. You're going to have three failures to one victory. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say to people, the personal work. You got to have a realistic viewpoint of of how this is going to work out. Right. Because you're going to put in a whole lot of work, Jonathan, and it's, nothing's going to happen. Sure, sure. Well, this, prepared for that. this has been just an incredible <laughs> conversation for me. I love getting the chance to talk with you. And, uh, I've, you know, it hasn't worked out over the past year, but I'm glad you got to come in finally. And I'm well, glad we got to talk. Uh, uh, make sure you edit out all these odds <laughs> and news. But uh, it, it's been a pleasure. Well, I know Brother Bob said it was a pleasure for him, but certainly the pleasure was mine as well to get to interview him, and I hope that you enjoyed it. It was very uplifting for me, and I've already used some of those tips that Bob has suggested. Even though you may be involved in studies for years and years and years, I think there's always opportunities for growth, and I took advantage of some of them already. So uh, in the time since this was recorded and it aired, it's been a blessing to me, and I hope it is for you as well. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, you know? It's not about us. It's about sharing the gospel. And instead of seeing it like something where you have to close the sale, you know, and it's high stakes, if you don't get it all in in that one conversation, if we can just focus on planting the seed and tending to a garden where you're watering and weeding and gently helping something grow, I think you'll be blessed in your personal conversations with family and friends. Anyway, I could ramble on and on, but the point is that we can all do better at personal evangelism, and I hope that this has been a positive source of encouragement for your ministries. Now, until next week, please go to the website and check out all the resources that are there. And always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true About a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you Well, his rules in some trouble